Blog Talk Radio. You are tuned in to a CS Podcast exclusive presented by NFLDraftBible.com. Welcome back to another episode of the CS Podcast presented by NFLDraftBible.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at NFLDraftBible. As always, I am your host, Chris Shanafel, and it is a pleasure to welcome back onto the show. Uh, he's an old friend of the show. Way back when I first got started, he was my very first interview. Again, it's a pleasure to welcome onto the show former Chicago Bears defensive back, uh, DJ Moore. And DJ, really appreciate you taking some time to chat this morning. Uh, how's everything on your end, and uh, you know, how's everything been since you officially decided to hang up the cleat? Uh, it's been all right, man. I'm doing a lot of different stuff. I'm getting into uh, basketball coaching right now. So it's my first year at the middle school level, and we are awful. Um, but it's it's fun. It's a learning experience. So just just making stuff happen, man. Obviously, uh, different <laughs> sports. But uh, do do you find more more respect for your football coaches, even going back to high school or, or college or the pros, uh, now that you've gotten into the coaching game? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you really do. Uh, I coached a couple of years ago uh, football as well, but you you realize how how much it takes to be a coach. Um, you realize also how much it takes for you not to have to choke a kid because they're just not listening. Like you just – when you're out there, especially when they're a little bit younger, it's like uh, they just don't get it. Um, and when the head coach is telling you to tech, get them to learn something and then they can't get it, I mean, it's on your head so you understand why the coaches are on you so much because it's like if you're not doing it right, that's a representation of what the coach is teaching you. Even if he's teaching you that, if you can't get it, uh, he has to find a way to, you know, to get you to listen and get you to execute your job. So, yeah, if you if listen, when you start coaching, you're going to be like, yeah, you know what? I got much respect for him because I I understand it now. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, are, are you doing this back at home in South Carolina or uh, where at? South Carolina, yeah. I'm Spunberg, South Carolina, down this way. Yeah. So I went, came back okay, home cool. and hanging out. Well, DJ, uh, you, you did spend four years here in the Windy City, suiting up for the Chicago Bears. It's football season. It's it's been another miserable season for Bears fans. Have you paid uh, much attention to uh, the Chicago Bears or the NFL much at all uh, this season? Um, I don't watch much of it. I mean, I, I I just catch a game or two. I mean, I do know that they're struggling. Um, I do know that to say the least. Trubisky in the preseason, yeah, in the preseason he looked, you know, okay. Uh, during some games this year, he looked it all right. For the most part, it's just been average, I guess. Um, and that's, I think that's been the big focus is you ain't really worried about defense. Eventually, the defense will get back to what they're doing. But, it's you know, in Chicago, can you find, you know, a quarterback that's been kind of evading them of late? Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of like a, a, fresh, a breath of fresh air, uh, you know, since uh, Jay Cutler has left, we, we all know, uh, you know, you, you either love him or you hate him here in Chicago. I, I don't have a, a huge problem with him, but he, he didn't do his uh, job. He was brought in here, obviously, to 
you know, uh, have a lot of success on offense and, and be that franchise quarterback. And while he spent a lot of time here, I never really looked at him much as a franchise quarterback. Again, I don't think he ever uh, really uh, lived up to his expectations of what they thought they were getting when they uh, traded uh, with, with the Broncos to bring him here to Chicago. Now we got a young guy in Mitch Trubisky, the number two overall pick, and uh, you know it's all or nothing now. I mean, uh, again, it's kind of like a, a breath of fresh air here in Chicago, having a new quarterback, having a young rookie quarterback, um, who obviously uh, a lot of people think his future is very bright um, here in Chicago. Obviously, only 13 starts in college, and uh, still has a long way to go. As we seen yesterday against the Detroit Lions, a tough loss, 20 to 10. Um, I think the scoreboard uh, was a little bit closer than the game really was. But um, anyways, DJ, again, you spent four years here in Chicago. How would you describe your overall time here in Chicago? What was it like playing for the Chicago Bears looking back now? Uh, Man, it it was good. Um, Like you said, I think at times it was frustrating simply because on defense, you know, when you have guys like Erlock and Briggs and Tillman and Peppers and, um, Anthony Adams and all those guys that they were really good. Tim Jennings, Major Wright, all those guys that were really good. We performed really good on defense, but at times on offense, I mean, it would just kind of, you know, frustrate you. Like every year, it seemed that we were probably either eight and eight, nine and seven. I remember the one year we missed the playoffs. We were like ten and six. We had the one good season when we got to the the NFC Championship game. Now that's when Ann Rodgers was was kind of coming into his own, which was probably a little more unfortunate you know, for us. But all in all, it was real good. The fans were were awesome. Uh, but just simply just on the field, it was just, I mean, on those 50-50, it was always just up and that was always around that 50-50 mark. So, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't stink, but we didn't smell good at the same time. It didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, like you said, I mean, the defense, I mean, was always one of the top in the league. It was the offense that was always struggling. Then, of course, once uh, they decided to let go of Lovey Smith um, and bring in Mark Tressman and, uh, you know, had Mel Tucker coordinating the defense. I mean, the, the defense uh, left Chicago with Lovey Smith. Um, there was no defense played at all. And uh, I think that kind of had fans, including myself, kind of missed the, or really didn't. Uh, it kind of took, took the defense that you were a part of, D.J., uh, for, for granted, I mean, you know, we, we had a decent offense, uh, you know, Tressman uh, first uh, couple of years here, you know, had, had the Brandon Marshalls of the world, Alshon Jeffries, uh, uh, Marty Bennett, um, you know, great, great offense putting up high numbers, uh, but uh, the, the defense was really bad. And now, uh, you know, a couple of years removed from that era, the Mark Tressman era, and now being with uh, John Fox, he, he did kind of instill a, a – um, a better defense uh, along with Vic Fangio and, and we're starting to see guys like uh, Danny Trevathan or Akeem Hicks really step up or the rookie Eddie Jackson having a, a pretty decent year for himself as well, bringing that defensive mentality back to Chicago that uh, it was missed for, for quite a few years uh, once you, you were away from the team, DJ. Um, now, now looking back at your career, you finished with over 120 tackles, 10 interceptions, a forced fumble. I mean, you, you made a lot of plays throughout your four years in in Chicago, DJ. Is there one that stands out more than any other, though, when you look back at your time here? Um, I think, I mean, it was the funniest one for me. It was uh, the Matthew Stafford um, <laughs> little scuffle. Um, and, and, a, and the reason it really was my favorite play because it was – you know, how we all, especially on the defense, were kind of close together. 
You know what I mean? So it happened on their sideline, and you see Tillman and different guys jumping in the pile on their sideline, you know, coming in my defense or whatever. So when you when you see how much, you know, people kind of care for you and how much we, we fought for each other on defense, and to see me in a situation like that and see guys that come to your rescue, no matter if it's 60 guys on one, like, you know, you see Tillman and those guys jumping in the pile, it was, to me, I mean, it was funny at the same time, but it was like, it was like indicative of like, man, this is what we are as a defense. Like we we fight for each other no matter you know the odds or whatever. Yeah, and I remember that game like it was yesterday. I remember that play like it was yesterday. You guys were uh, uh, just having having fun with the Detroit Lions, and of course, uh, it's funny because uh, yesterday they were having fun with the Bears um, <laughs> in last night's game. Uh, how often is that play brought up to you uh, when, when walking around or you're, you're doing events? I mean, is, I, I got to think that play is brought up quite often because uh, well, I know yeah, the, the media. Number one. Yeah, it's a number one play pretty much, especially yeah. with the – I'm doing middle school, and even when I did high school, they always come up to you and show it to you. I'm like, well, that's fine. It's, it's wrong. You shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? So you always got to explain to the kids or whatever. Um, but they are, that's that's the first thing. As soon as you see some kids, here they come with the van. I already know what they're about to show me. So I'm, I'm, hey, I got a lot did, of practice in talking about it. Hey, did did uh, Matthew Stafford ever ever uh, apologize for that play? I mean, it, it oh, was a did, dirty actually. play. Oh no, he did. I think it was the next year I seen him. Um, I think we were playing at Detroit actually. In my last year in Chicago, he's like, oh, man, we cool. I'm like, oh, yeah, we cool. It really wasn't a bit. I mean, once, because for me, it's like once it happened on the field, it happened, and once you get out of the field, I mean, it's over with. So, I mean, and, you was, know, uh, of course. It was a fun play, man. Yeah, and, of course, uh, I remember uh, follow, uh, following that game, of course, uh, you know, you, you had quite a media scuffle at your locker or, or uh, somewhere after the game. I know there's a video on YouTube. And you had you had the, the haircut, man. Are you Are you going with any – other haircuts uh, since you've been away from the game? Not really. I mean, I just got, like, the little wide mohawk, and I'm just getting it because I got my son haircut. So I'm trying to trying to live my dreams through my kids or whatever. <laughs> so um, and not like not like that right there, though. And that's probably the second question when the kids ask, like, you ain't going to get the haircut against him. And it's just a, it's just a costume, like, like a hard and wet beard, man. I just got different designs in my head, man. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, DJ, you, you mentioned the, the the camaraderie that you guys had there in Chicago with that defense and, and the special players there like Peanut Tillman, Brian Erlacher, Lance Briggs, and you could go on and on with names. Um, you, you did spend some time in Carolina and Tampa Bay, not nearly as long as you did here in Chicago, but you did spend some time with some other organizations. Um, did, did you see – uh, anything similar to that that type of camaraderie that that uh, that that special bond that you guys had on on the defensive side of the ball in Chicago uh, in other places like Carolina and Tampa Bay? Um, I think the talent level was there in both places in um, Carolina and Tampa Bay. I think in Carolina they were more. I think they had a more like a calm karate in Carolina. Um, not at every position. I think the DBs were kind of coming into their own. Because when I first got there, that's when Josh Norman was there, and he was struggling a little bit. Um, and it wasn't because he wasn't talented. I think he was struggling to learn the plays and, and trust each other. Now, they had the linebackers, Luke and Thomas Davis, and those guys were just, you know, they were really good. They kind of got each other. Uh, the defensive line, so the front seven kind of was, was kind of bonded like that, but not like 
I think like in Chicago, it was just the whole defense because I think everybody, you know, understood. Even though we didn't run nothing but two or three covers, everybody understood, you know, where they needed to be. Um, and I think Carolina now, I think they 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 getting that camaraderie. But I don't think it was nothing like when we was in uh, when I was in Chicago. Without a doubt. Now, uh, DJ, you you are still relatively young. I mean, you're, you're 30 years old. Uh, you know that that's still. Uh, obviously really young and uh, if you ask me I think um, it looks as if you kind of called it a career on your own you weren't forced out you, you, you kind of, it looks like and correct me if I'm wrong you, you kind of made this decision on your own that all right I've had enough with football now I'm going to move on to other things when did that that decision uh, fully come to you when, when did you know that you know well, what maybe, maybe um, I'm just finished with football well I don't, I don't say it was on my own because with the way the NFL is is just if people are calling you, you're probably going to play if they're not calling you. Well, you know what? You're going to have to sit at home. Um, so when people stopped calling me when I got let go, you know, by Lovey, which was kind of, you know, a surprise to me, um, you know, people stopped calling. You know, when the guy who drafted you let you go, and I, you know, I'm, I didn't come with much baggage, but I'm a, you know, I talk a lot of trash. Huh? You know, if there's an issue, if there's something going on, you know, I'm always normally the guy that says a lot too, uh, so that could play a role yeah, in it. That's why we love uh, you, man. That's why we love you. You speak yeah, your mind. Yeah, so, but in the NFL, well, speaking your mind sometimes <laughs> is is almost as bad. We've seen as, that. You know what I mean? So it's it's one of those situations. And also, that was when I think the Ray Rice situation had just came up as well. Um, so it's 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 um, it's interesting to say the least. But I mean, at, at some point. You gotta, you gotta start doing something. You know, you gotta still, you know, yeah. make money and and keep stuff going. So, um, hey, I still work out, stay in shape. You know, make sure my wife still think I look good. But other than that, man, <laughs> at some point you're gonna have to move on and and start doing something else. I mean, can I run around and jump and do all those? I can do all that stuff. But hey, you know, when when, it, when it's, it's my time, it's my time. Again, we're chatting with former Chicago Bears defensive back DJ Moore. We used to do the uh, More Time with DJ segment here uh, each and every week, and uh, this is bringing a lot of great memories back to me just chatting with you. DJ, again, really appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. A few more questions, and then we'll let you go. Um, and, and, DJ, while we're reminiscing about your career and, and talking about some of the moments you had uh, throughout your time here in Chicago, uh, one of your former teammates, Devin Hester, officially announced his retirement just uh, earlier this past week. Um, you know, talk to us about what it was like to play with him and, and watch watch him just make some of the most ridiculous plays that we've ever seen. Yeah, that was, to be honest with you, and I, and I talked to him one time, and it was like a – for me, really was like a dream come true to kind of play with him. And I told him when I was in high school, he had – I think he was at uh, Miami. I used to watch his highlights before every game. And uh, I think they were they were playing Duke. Uh, he caught the punt. He went around, spun around, ran around, and eventually got in the end zone. And in my head, I had dreamed – when I was in high school, I dreamed of like um, like I would run a, like the same type of punt return, and they would put our play side by side. You know what I mean? On ESPN or something like that. So I'm in high school. I go up. The guy punts it, and it goes short. He only, it's like a 10-yard punt. I run all the way up, catch it on the bounce, boom. I automatically reverse, lose 20 yards. I ran for about five minutes. But I never made it to the end zone. I, was, I remember telling him about that. But to see him, you know what I mean, to see him in person, um, and, then, and, and then to meet him and then talk to him and go over his house and 
play video games, watch movies and different stuff like that with him. He's a, he a real cool, a humble guy, and hopefully soon, uh, whenever his name is called for the Hall of Fame, man, I I get to tell my kids I got to play, you know, beside one of the, the best of all time. So here's a million-dollar question for you, and I think you kind of just answered it. I mean, uh, obviously, I think if you're talking to anybody in Chicago, you, you know I'm saying he, he's no doubt a Hall of Famer. Um, it sounds like you're on that side as well. He, he's worthy of the Hall of Fame, no doubt. Yeah. I think what what it is is, too, is he's going to be in the Hall of Fame just because it's a different um, – it's just he's going to be considered a special team player. Now, if you say that he's going to be considered a receiver, then you have to say, you know what, I don't know. You know, it may take some time. Right. But for what he's done as a special teamer, I think who else was it, like Ray Guy, who the punter from yep. uh, the Raiders. Um, yep. So he's that type of like, hey, I'm that type of guy that when you see me, it's like I'm in the league of my own as a special teamer, as a returner. Uh, I'm the greatest of all time in the return position, and I and to me he should be a first battle hall of fame just because it's just it's a specialized position, and he was able to do it. And when you know teams can punt and kind of take you out of it, he was able to do it and do it, you know, for for a good time, a good period of time. And I think once Ray Guy got in, uh, what was it, like a year or two ago, I think that's when officially, and, you know, we, we already knew Devin Hester was having a Hall of Fame-type career just a couple of years ago, obviously. That, that's kind of when you knew, okay, that, then if, if a puncher's getting in it and no, no shade thrown at a punter or a kicker or any special teams player for that matter, but if a punter's getting in, then, then a guy that's scoring points like Devin Hester did uh, should certainly get in at, at some point. And like he said in his own uh, tweet when, when he announced his retirement, I mean, uh, all right, dear uh, Mr. Uh, Commissioner Goodell, you can move the kickoff back at the 30. I mean, they changed, they changed the field positions uh, or, or the, the, the placement of the ball for this guy. Well, yeah. Um, so when you're able to do what he has done, and that's why I think we were so good on defense as well. Um, you can consider that, you know, a defensive touchdown when he was scoring. He was part of the defense. You know, we stop him, he run it back, and almost when we were there with Erlach and all those guys, you didn't need much offense because you knew, hey, if you could stop him and back him up, you know, kick it to Hester, and that's probably all the offense that you need. So, like he said, man, you can move it back. He is a, you know, a special player. You see guys come in the league, they'll do it maybe a year or two. Um, but to see him do it, you know, consistently – um, you got to give credit to, you know, Dave Tobe, uh when he was in Chicago special team, I think he's in Kansas City now. He was an awesome special team coach. Um, and then he had awesome personnel also, you know, guys who were blocking for him. And I'm sure Hess would be the first one to tell you that. Listen, a couple of those permanent Now, he made awesome moves, but a lot of them, listen, those guys were where they're supposed to be and everything in, in sports is a, is a team, especially in football, is a team game. Without a doubt. Now, now talking about one future Hall of Famer to another uh, DJ, and that's uh, Brian Erlacher. This is his first year eligible to be voted in. I'm curious as to see how the voters handle this one because, of course, Ray Lewis is also eligible to be inducted this year. Now, if it were me, I would find a way to put them both in as first ballot Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. but I'm not really too sure if that happens, seeing as they're the same position and obviously a lot more uh, other guys are also um, very deserving of being in as well. I'm excited to see Randy Moss get in this year. Of course, uh, will he be haunted by Terrell Owens? I'm not too sure. Um, but but anyways, I'm not too sure if they both get in at the same time. And if I had to lean one way or the other, my gut is telling me that the voters will put Ray Lewis in 
ahead of Brian Erlacher if they had to choose one over the other. Um, again, you can't really go wrong with either or, but uh, what, what do you think happens when it comes to uh, that I situation they, right there? If it was me, I would put Erlacher in because I feel like he 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 was asked to kind of do a little bit more, uh, run down the middle of the field, you know, guard tight ends, you know, take on lineman blocks. Um, Ray, Ray Lewis tackled a lot of people, talked a lot of trash, made a lot of videos, and spoke to his team and got people hyped up. But I think his job was literally just go and tackle. My linemen are really big. They'll hold those blocks, and they just wanted him to tackle. So when you're a free tackler like that, and the way they run their defense, um, I think, you know, I mean, it's just a different – they were two different type of uh, linebackers. Um, but I think if just if you just go a consensus, I think they'll probably put – if they chose between the two, they'll probably put Ray Lewis in first because he's more of a, a vocal guy. I mean, you know, you wasn't yep. going to see Erlacher talking much. If you were going to see him talking, it was more, more so him going to be laughing or something on the sideline. You know, he really enjoyed himself. And he, he I think he talked to the team once. And he looked real nervous when he did that. So, um, a lot of times when they're voting, man, they're not just really voting um, for the best player, but sometimes the most noticeable player. Um, and Ray Lewis is, is good noticeable. And then in Terrell Owens' case, it's probably bad noticeable since he probably should be in also. Uh, but it can work in your favor and uh, not in your favor. But in Ray Lewis' case, it'll probably work in his favor. Especially when you're what they call a, a media darling, and uh, like you said, I mean uh, Ray Lewis, man, was, was certainly that. And now, of course, he's in the media world. Uh, I think he spent some time with ESPN. Now he's over at Fox Sports. Yeah. Um, you in the one media? Last player, Listen, I... you get in quick, don't you? <laughs> Sheesh! They, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like ASAP. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I think there's only one player that had to wait, in, and that was Chris Carter, who, who waited uh, quite a yeah, long time. But uh, you're, you're, now. you're. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. One last player I want to get your thoughts on before I let you go, DJ. We'll have to do this again. I'm really having a great time chatting with you. Um, and that's Peanut Tillman. Did you hear uh, his new uh, career choice? No, I didn't. What is he, what is he doing? He's, uh, he's, he's going to be joining the FBI. Oh, okay, that makes sense. He's a, he's <laughs> a really – no, no, honestly, though, and I don't think people realize this about him um, and why he was so good because – he just was really smart, man. Like he, like the peanut punch and doing different things like that. It was a science. It like took him to really break down the game and see, okay, what does it mean if I do this or do this? And even sometimes he would do the peanut punch and the guy run down the sideline, but you'll be fine with it because he'll have turnovers a second later or uh, knowing coverages and knowing different stuff. So he was, he would probably, if I, if not the smartest player that I think I played with because. To be honest, talent-wise, I used to wonder, like, man, I'm like, man, I'm fly here. Like, he don't look that good. Like, he just don't look that good. But when you when you smart like that and you know where you need to be uh, when you're physical enough, man, like he, like, that make to me, that just, that just, that makes sense. Did he, is he going to take his dreads off or what is <laughs> I never, I just didn't know if he's FBI agent with uh, dreads. I don't know. So. <laughs> It might be changing. Good question. We're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to ask him and uh, get back to you on that. But uh, 
You, you know, I think, uh, like you said, I mean, Peanut Tillman has been uh, one of the more underrated uh, players uh, really throughout his career. When they when he started out, it, it was him and Nathan Vasher on the other side. And, uh, you know, Vasher had some great years here in Chicago, too, but kind of fell off. But, but Peanut Tillman was always right there making solid plays, and especially towards the later years of his career, the older he got, it seemed like the better he got it. And I think it was Calvin Johnson who said it himself, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, Darrell Revis, nope, it's Charles Tillman who was uh, always the toughest matchup, and that's a guy that he would have to see two years in a uh, two years, um, two two times a year. So uh, that that right yeah. there says a lot right there. Um, and DJ, uh, again, just want to thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us this morning, man. Uh, hopefully, we can catch up again uh, sometime soon and talk some more uh, NFL. It's uh, always great chatting with you, man. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me. And if I could say some parting words, um, we're gonna have to get a new coach, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, and it's not because he's a bad coach. Um, I think that the NFL is going more offense. I mean, it's been more offense. Mm-hmm. You can't touch the receivers. You can't sniff on the quarterback. And when you have a, a defensive-minded coach, he coaches the offense like this because he can rein them in. And when you can yeah. rein the offense in, then it's going to stifle, you know, a young quarterback. I think even if you get a new offensive coordinator, whoever you get, it's still going to stifle it because – you, as a head coach, you thinking, well, our defense can stop it. Instead of going for it on fourth down, we'll punt it, and the more offensive-minded coach may go for it. So I just really think – and I think Foss is a good coach, but for a young quarterback getting coached really by old traditional defensive guy, to me, just doesn't make much sense. Uh, you see it mm-hmm. in uh, Philly, uh, offensive mind you got, and also in, uh, I think, St. Louis – the same way, like you see, is just more Los if Angeles. you're not an offensive-minded head coach. Is, yeah, yeah Los Angeles, <laughs> my bad. But if it's more of an offensive-minded thing, it seems to be more a more productive, you know what I mean, more productive player. So, obviously no, you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. And uh, actually, the, the Twitter – Twitter world uh, kind of caught on fire last night during the game as uh, Greg Gabriel, who was a former scout for the Chicago Bears, um, tweeted out that uh, supposedly Dow Loggins, the Bears' offensive coordinator, who has been uh, – he's maybe had two or three good uh, game-calling – play-calling games in this season, in my opinion. Um, Last week against Cincinnati, obviously, uh, being one of them. Um, supposedly Loggins has been uh, telling people that uh, he's going to be taking over as the Bears head coach next season. Now, I don't see wow. any way that happens. <laughs> well, if he's telling people, and what I've learned is when it's rumors, for some reason it's always true. I don't know how it gets out or who they're telling it to, but somebody probably will talk to him, and that makes sense. I don't think Fox would be that next year just because it's just – yeah, I think it's just it's just hard to be productive as a defensive coach these days, especially the head coach. Now, a defensive coordinator, kind of like Wade Fields when he left Dallas and went to the Broncos, it's like, oh, man, this is a match made in heaven. But when you're the head coach and you're defensive minded, it seems just to stifle the offense. Most of I guess, except Bill Belichick, but I don't know what he coaches. Like, they give him credit for defense. When they're doing good and when they're doing bad, they give him credit for the offense. So I have no idea what he coaches. So. <laughs> Hey, what about Dave Tobe? I mean, uh, you, you brought him up earlier. He had some great years as a special teams coach here in Chicago, obviously uh, doing very well in Kansas City with their special teams now. A lot of people think he's been worthy of a head coaching gig for uh, quite a while. 
Um, what, what, what would you think if uh, the, the Bears or really any team brought in a, a special teams coach to be their head coach? Uh, uh, the one I think it works with the, is it, in uh, it, it, Yeah, it hurt with, hurt with, I mean, work with Baltimore. Uh, I think a lot of teams would be skeptical. skeptical. Um, but I think he, he's a really good coach. And I think a lot of times when you have a special team coach do it, he's more of a he's more of the head of the corporation instead of him being a part of just one particular thing. I'm sure he'll still have his hand in the special teams, but more so out of all the other stuff, he'll kind of keep his hands out of it because he's more specialized, you know, with special. I'm sure he knows mm-hmm. the ins and outs of the game, uh, but more so he'll be, I don't know, I guess you can call it like a puppet almost. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. I think he'll be a you know a good coach. He's his track record, you know, kind of speaks for itself. Wherever he goes, his his unit always does what they need to do. So uh, give him a chance and uh, see what happens. Because it's four and ten. Well, <laughs> you don't get much worse, I don't think. I mean, I guess you can be the Browns, but but yeah, other than that, but I mean, still in Chicago. I mean, if they they'll they'll you know they'll cuss you out of you going eight and eight so four and ten I'm sure yeah. uh Fox in the game and heard some choice words on their way leaving the field. Oh yeah. Hey, you know it yourself. I mean Lovey Smith got canned after going ten and six. So uh yeah, certainly at four and ten right now, uh three and thirteen last year. Um I think you said it perfectly. We we need a new coach, man. We need a new coach and we need one quick. Um DJ as always man, thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. Uh, no problem, boss. There he goes, former Chicago Bears defensive back D.J. Moore. Uh, again, used to uh, uh, co-host a, a show with him uh, just about every week um, during the, the football season uh, when, when he was with the Chicago Bears. And uh, it's a funny story. He actually uh, came out and met me uh, years ago down at a, a bowling alley downtown. Um, did, didn't have to pay him a dime for him to do it. Uh, just a great guy, and uh, he's always been that way. Very, very kind with his time. And uh a lot of fun getting to chat with him again and getting his thoughts on some things uh, around uh, some of his former teammates like Brian Erlacher, like the newly retired Devin Hester, and uh, even reminiscing about some of the great times of his career. Again, special thanks to DJ Moore, uh, former NFL defensive back, for uh, joining us to chat for a little bit. Uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, again, you can follow him on Twitter at DJ Moore 30 and uh, certainly wishing him the best with his uh, now coaching career uh, in uh, – middle school basketball so uh, that's got to be a lot of fun hope you all enjoyed this interview until next time everybody take care